It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Cincinnati Bengals owner Mike Brown shows up twice in Ben Standig's survey of 30 NFL agents. This is your Cincinnati Bengals update from the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko along with James Rapine. And James, it's not a good look for Mike Brown as he consistently seems to show up in these surveys of NFL personnel, NFL agents in an unflattering light, this time in two categories, one for being cheap and the other for being untrustworthy. But the quotes aren't that bad, except for the one that calls him cheap. <laughs> yeah, and, and he had good company with Bill Belichick at the same time. This just feeds into the offseason perception that the Bengals had to deal with when they were getting ready to pick Joe Burrow. And that's it's really tough to overcome. And Mike Brown set in his ways and there's a good argument for his ways. And there's certainly a lot of arguments against what he does uh, in the number of people in that front office. So I think until they win, until they make a deep playoff run, he hasn't even won a playoff game as president of the Bengals until that happens then people are going to question his methods and you're going to continue to see this type of stuff out there. Cincinnati Bengals owner Mike Brown shows up in a free agent survey. Ben Standig from The Athletic asked 30 NFL agents questions about what's going on in the offseason. And of course, anytime you ask about owners, agents love to say bad things about Mike Brown. That and Joe Burrow has a road name for him in Louisiana. This is your Locked On Bengals lead story I'm Jake Lisko, along with James Rapine. James, let's get started with the Mike Brown quote. As expected, one of the few owners that every time this comes up, you expect someone to have something negative to say about the Bengals and Mike Brown. And this year, no exception. He comes up twice. And in a noteworthy section, he is seen by at least two agents out of the 30 as a not trustworthy general manager, also on this list were guys like Bill O'Brien and Bill Belichick. But you read the quote, James, and the agent was much kinder to Mike Brown and the Bengals and some of these other guys that they don't seem to trust in the same way. They were. And, and I'll read the quote here. I just don't agree with the way the Bengals do things. I think they're good people. I just think that when you've got four people running a staff – when there are teams with 25 to 40, it's really hard to do your job and be 100% accurate on some things. And look, this is a concern that a lot of people have had over the years, and that's just the way Mike Brown operates. He believes in the his people in the front office, and, and that's just how they, they do it. It, it almost – I don't want to say mom and pop shop, but that's just that, – that's how – that's the feel they have. They trust their people. Or, you know, they, they have – Duke Tobin's essentially the GM. I get it. Mike Brown signs off on all the decisions, but they have a GM essentially, but they don't have a robust scouting department. They don't have a bunch of uh, assistant GMs and different front office executives that are all advising Duke Tobin. And so, yeah, it's uh, th- that's certainly a, a point of emphasis, and, th- and that's something I think a lot of people have talked about. And really until the Bengals win a championship, that will remain an issue and a talking point. That's just the the reality of of what pro football is in Cincinnati with Mike Brown at the helm. And we didn't get details beyond they don't do things the same way teams with larger staffs do things. 
But there are plenty of teams on this list, James, that have had a lot of success and still have this negative, untrustworthy rap with agents. Bill Belichick gets the most votes with four. <laughs> the Patriot way is hard to deal with. Double cross. Another agent says you can fill in the dots. John Elway comes in second with three votes tied with Bill O'Brien. About John Elway, one agent said, don't hate him, but don't respect him. Don't respect him. I mean, nobody's saying that about Mike Brown, at least. They're just calling out the way he does business. For John Elway, that's a little bit harsher. For Bill O'Brien, talks out of both sides of his mouth. I don't believe a word he says. Again, you're not getting that when people are talking about Mike Brown being untrustworthy. You're just like, well, maybe they have a hard time keeping track of everything they say. Because I imagine some of this is, and some of the things that some of the agents talked about is, teams that are talking to their undrafted free agents and then don't call or say, we're going to come get you. And then they offer the minimum and we don't have those specifics on Mike Brown, but it could be something like that. Yeah. And the other thing with Brown is he is consistent. Those other guys, especially Bill O'Brien, right? You just, you don't know what you're going to get with Mike Brown. He may have his flaws, but he embraces those flaws and he goes about his business that, that same way each and every time. And uh, I did find it interesting. Bill Belichick and Mike Brown on two different lists on here, this one being the first one, and then also being tough to negotiate with. The Patriots were first. The Bengals were tied for second with Bill O'Brien and the Texans. It's it's good company to be in. You want to be on list with Bill Belichick. It might not look good, but uh, you, you know if, if the Bengals can get it done, then then maybe we feel differently about the way Mike Brown operates. This quote is a little bit, more upsetting probably to, to mm-hmm. Bengals fans. I mean, the other one calls out the way they do business. We've talked about that for ages and the implication is there and it comes up again here. They're so damn cheap and it's all their money. So, you know, <laughs> I, what are you going to say about that? Other than there's a lot of evidence to, to back that up in some of the ways they do things, some of the ways they've done things historically, making players pay for their own Gatorade. They're never going to live that down. But the way that they've spent money in free agency should be starting to change that narrative, and we'll see how that happens over the next few years or not because, James, they've now got a guy named Joe Burrow who is a college quarterback that has a road named after him off Highland Road near the LSU campus in Louisiana. How cool is this? If you're Joe Burrow, Burrow Road? I mean, look, I know he's stayed humble and stayed focused and everyone's talking about how mature he is and everything, but think about the past year for Joe Burrow. Heisman, 15-0, and 0, number one pick, Burrow Road, franchise savior for the Bengals. He almost transferred to the University of Cincinnati a couple of years ago. Now he's supposed to lead the pro football franchise in Cincinnati to a Super Bowl. We'll see if it happens. And if it does, maybe there will be a Burrow Road near Paul Brown Stadium in downtown Cincinnati. Coming up next, we've got the AFC North Ultimate Division crossover. Coming up this week, we've got three teams. Uh, The Baltimore episode, as I mentioned, you can find over on the Baltimore and Pittsburgh podcast. We start today with the Steelers. Stay tuned. That's coming up next. And we try to get some shots in at Chris and those Pittsburgh Steelers. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting 
shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. The Pittsburgh Steelers, in my opinion, you know, it's a what if team for me. The 2019 season obviously was, you know, kind of hindered by the fact that Ben Roethlisberger only played in two games. He only had 351 yards. The the reins were handed over to the semblance of Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges, both of which, you know, in my opinion, I I don't know if they're the answer. Uh, Personally, I don't know. I could have seen the Steelers drafting somebody like a Jalen Hurts to maybe take over, but they are confident that Ben Roethlisberger's back, and obviously for the 2020 season, that's the biggest X factor. I think the Steelers' offseason moves. When you take a look at it, they surrounded Ben Roethlisberger with some more talent. Eric Ebron, somebody who you can plug in, and he will he will catch passes. Drops have been an issue, but he's somebody who is a threat. Then you go out and draft Chase Claypool with your first pick, albeit a second-round pick. Then you add speed with Anthony McFarland. You add Add that to a defense that is one of the best, you know, if not the best in the NFL. And it's tough saying that as a Ravens guy. But you look at it, the Steelers are poised for what most would say is a comeback season. Now, in a very talented AFC North that does include the Ravens, does include a much improved, in my opinion, Cleveland team. And obviously the Bengals that have a new signal caller that is going to be good in a few years. Don't get me wrong. This is a very talented division. When you look at it, the Steelers might have the best defense in the division. When you look at it, Ben Roethlisberger could win this team the division. Now, I'm still confident in Baltimore's ability to go out and win this AFC North, but obviously I think James Conner's a big X-factor. Juju Smith-Schuster's a big X-factor. So, Chris, my question to you would be, how important is it for the Steelers to go through this season healthy? And if they don't, do you still think this season is something they can compete for a playoff spot with, or do you think it's all a wash? Well, it depends on what, who's healthy. If Ben if Ben's out again, I, I think that they're in a very similar situation. Though I should point out that with the updated playoff standings, the Steelers, if, if they had gone this playoff format where you're having seven teams per conference making the playoffs, the Steelers would have to go all the way back to 2003 for a place where they didn't at least rank seventh in the conference, uh, and that includes last year. So maybe they, they'd find a way to get to the playoffs. Um, the biggest things that they cannot lose this year they cannot lose Ben they cannot lose Minka Fitzpatrick they cannot lose TJ Watt and they cannot lose mm, I'd say the combination of their cornerbacks in in Hayden and Nelson I think they can lose one and survive for a little bit um, but they also and they and they cannot afford to lose too many play, playmakers on offense now I think the biggest thing about that is that They've added a lot of pieces. You know, Ebron's going to add to the tight end position. They've got four receivers that they've drafted the past four years in a row in the top three rounds. I think they've got some answers for that. I, I, it would take some serious losses like last year with Ben Roethlisberger for it to be a wash. Um, but I think this this roster is really balanced across the board with a lot of with all their strengths and very few weaknesses at the top. Their biggest problems are depth. I know, obviously, Chris. Now, you know, there's. A lot of potential, but I think one thing we saw last year with the minus of Ben Roethlisberger was where maybe the torch sort of went past from, this was an offense where it was 6,000, 6,500 total yards per year. They were putting up a lot of points, which is, you know, a little bit different for AFC North style of football. 
But what you saw from the Steelers last year was maybe that changing of the guard, the Devin Bush addition of the defense. Obviously, the trade from Minka Fitzpatrick, which solidified that secondary and made life simpler for some players in that secondary were being asked maybe too much. So, you know, as we see this evolution here, but now you have a weird situation here. Ben coming back off the injury. Um, you know, where is, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, you know, and, and these type of players who have been perennial. Um, is this is this a, a basically a one last hurrah, Chris? Because you know you're going to have to start you know changing some things up at the running back position, figuring out what you're going to do long term at both the quarterback and the wide receiver position. Do you feel with what is currently constructed offensively? And look, the defense. I mean, you can move. You lose a guy like Hargrave, and you're still a solid unit. I mean, there's a lot to take from that. But the offense here is this kind of like one last run for the money, and now it's time to we're going to have to do some serious revamping, retooling here. Where the revamping, retooling would have to happen is obviously they need a new quarterback. If you know, at, you know, in the next two years, um, and you're, you'd probably look at the departure of Marquise Pouncey, who's openly said he's that he's he's gone when Ben's gone. Um, David DeCastro said he's he, he's willing to stick around for as long as he wants, but. Um, I, I think the offensive line and the quarterback position are the two things that would be the biggest changes. But I mean, again, they've drafted young receivers for the past four straight years. I, I think that there's going to be, yes, there's going to be a changing of the guard when that comes to happen, but they've invested so much into building the defense that they have now. And even beyond the veterans that they went and got like Nelson and like Hayden, they have a lot of young guys on this defense, like Stephon Tewitt, who's locked up for, for several years after now, like T.J. Watt, like Devin Bush, like Minka Fitzpatrick, that are young stars that are looking to to, to be the, the nucleus of the future of this team. So I think that they have the the players that are going to last for this team and, and, ca- and carry them into the next generation after Ben Roethlisberger. But the big question, of course, will be in two years – you know, does Ben hang it up? And if they do, do they trade up in, in, the, in that draft to get a guy like they did? They just did with Devin Bush. Do they go in free agency? Um, but ultimately, I, I think that this isn't necessarily a last hurrah. It, it is for Ben, Ben himself, you know, these next two seasons. But I'm not uh, I, I don't think that they're in a position where they're like, hey, we're just going to dump everything that we built on this defense uh, in, over the next two years. I think they've got a lot of really good young pieces in place that could take them into this next, into the rest of the 20, uh, the 2020s. Chris, one of the young pieces you, you mentioned is Deontay Johnson. And I know he's gotten a lot of pub this off season and, and people like where he's going. You mentioned the young wide receivers, obviously James Washington and, and others, the Steelers historically draft wide receivers. Well, what do you make of this wide receiver room? Obviously Juju Smith Schuster going into a contract year. What do you make of it? And how do you feel about the Steelers wide receivers going into 2020? Uh, it's complicated to say the least. Uh, Johnson's separation was very strong last year. He was able. I think. I think when when I, you look on a uh, what's it called? Not Pro Football Focus, but the Next Gen Stats from NFL.com. According to their separation numbers, he was the second best receiver in the NFL at getting separation last year. He he was getting open so much, and the way that he was getting open with his footwork, he was really you know you if you watch his routes, he always maintained that center of gravity, not giving tells to where he was he was trying to go, forcing defenders to guess, and that's what made him that special. Um, I think that he's the star that comes of this group of four, kind of like how Antonio Brown was the guy that came out of the Mike Wallace Brown and Emmanuel Sanders crew. Um, but there's the there's a I think Juju's 
life on this team is going to depend on his connection with Ben Roethlisberger. Ben loves to throw the guys that he knows who who he's working with. He loves to be to, to work with the guys that, that know him. And Juju is the most experienced guy on this entire roster that is with catching a football from Ben Roethlisberger. So I think that keeps Juju around at least one more year if Ben comes back in 2021. Um, but, you know, it's a serious question. Do they like what they get out of James Washington this year? He led the team in receiving last year. D- d- you know, how far does J- Chase Claypool show up? If if he does, they don't have to pay Juju Smith-Schuster. Then they're saying, you know what, we're going to rock with these three young guys and maybe get another a fourth or fifth round wide receiver next year and keep the line moving there. Because the biggest thing is, is with the salary cap question right now, and that's the biggest problem with Juju and keeping him, is that – very soon, they've got to pay T.J. Watt. They still have to extend Cam Hayward. There's a lot of other people that they got to pay soon. And uh, and with the salary cap probably not shooting up because of COVID-19, and we're very uncertain of how that's going to play out, um, I, you know, I'm not I'm not saying it's a given that Juju State sticks around. But I think that if the offense shows success this year and Ben's feeling good and he's, he's ready to come back for 2021, I think he's going to advocate for them to find a way to keep Juju around at least for one more season, kind of like the way they did Emmanuel Sanders. Chris, we're going to give you an opportunity here in just a minute to talk about where you see Pittsburgh within the division from your perspective and give you a little bit of a platform. But before we get there, you know I like to grill you a little bit about the Steelers. You seem pretty confident in Ben Roethlisberger. He's been out for a year, obviously. He grew a very bad beard in quarantine. And are you sure he can still play football? Just wondering. (laughs) Um. I go from what we've heard from doctors, what we've heard from teammates in the practices. You know, they're they're talking about how he's slinging the ball. You know, a lot of you know people were talking about evaluating like the way that he was throwing the ball, and you know, we've gotten sort of word from sources that he's the discomfort in his elbow has could be linked back to his play as as early as like late 2017, and uh, you know, in times where we were kind of seeing his deep ball kind of fade and not be as, as good as it was like in 2016, 2015, 2014, when he would be able to hit, you know, you know, 50 yard bombs and, and, and stretch the field a lot more with Martavis Bryant. Uh, but I, I think that Ben, we still, we still have to see, there's no way to, there's no way to know for sure, but all the reports are saying that his elbow's fine, that he's fine. And the history of his surgery it, it, you know, it is a good sign. Um, you know, this isn't a shoulder surgery. This is an elbow surgery. You know, you know, Peyton had this kind of an, a surgery in the you know the early 2010s, and then he came out and had the the time that he had with the Broncos when he was lighting it up offensively with them. I'm not saying that Ben's going to be great for five years, but I do think that he's going to come out and have at least a healthy uh, 2020. And if he gets through this season, uh, 2021, um, that's that's where the confidence in Ben Roethlisberger lies. Not necessarily that he's going to light up the scoreboard and be the number one quarterback in the NFL or anything like he's never even been that um he struggles to be top five most of the time but they don't need top number one they need a guy hey get the offense to be in the middle of the league last year they were 29th 30th 31st whatever they need to if they get the offense around 16 15 14 in in points and points four and making sure that they're keeping drives alive and the defense is healthy like it was this team will be in the playoffs Chris, like I said, you have fended off our questions fairly well. We haven't gotten into any positional value arguments about your selection of Devin Bush in the first round in 2019, and we won't today. But what I do want to get to in the second half before you start talking about where you see Pittsburgh in the division is I'd love to hear about some of your favorite draft picks because for me, I think I'm looking at the rookies right now. It might be Alex Highsmith. So let's get into your favorite guys in just a minute. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And yeah, guys, we're talking about Steelers draft picks. Everyone wants to, you know, talks about Chase Claypool. I think he's really good. One guy that I have my eyes on is Kevin Dotson. Uh, they needed a guard for the future, and I think that they. And I've been saying for for the past few years. They needed to get a mauler type guard. Ramon Foster, who just retired and he actually works with us now at DKPittsburghSports.com, he was always a good communicator and a good, you know, overall lineman that kept things pretty solid at left guard. But David DeCastro himself, he's he's a guy that he beats people up at, at the line of scrimmage, he mows people over, and he cl- he clears spaces out space out for the run. They need a, a young guy like that who can come in in the next few years. And become that guy. Now, again, Dotson picked in the middle round. So, we're, you know, we're not talking about a guy who's going to jump in like a Dave DeCastro. But the way that he, he his tape shows in college, I really think he's going to translate to be someone that can help down the line and be the guy that, that sort of is like, hey, I'm, I become the veteran that, that that's reliable in the ground game. I also think the pick of Anthony McFarland is a, is, is, is a little bit of a shocker to some people because I'll tell you what, guys, the Steelers, Steelers fans, they were they were angry. Uh, a lot of a lot of not all of them, but a lot of them were angry that they did not pick Justin Dobbins. There were the people who thought like that's our pick, that's the guy. They need a running back, and then it didn't happen. And everyone's like, what is going on here? And uh, they picked Chase Claypool, and then he went to went to the uh, the, the Ravens. Dobbins did, uh, but ultimately, um, you know, everyone's going to be excited about Claypool. Um, Highsmith is going to really unique position to show up this year because presumably he's going to be the the first backup edge rusher and bud dupree is on is on is on the uh the franchise tag and he's currently has a grievance against the nfl for it so i think that uh high smith definitely a good definitely definitely good grade as far as the middle guys go but watch out for kevin dotson in a few years i think that he's going to be a guard that people uh, start to recognize uh down the line so jake and james james this is my first time being on a pod with you uh, but I know a lot of you guys, and I talked about this with Kevin yesterday, but I, I, I want to hear the, the kind of the feedback of where you've seen now that free agency has played out, now that the draft has played out, because a lot of people have, are, still, are still saying, what about the quarterback position? You know, people ask about Jalen Hurts. People are saying Cam Newton. I've been telling people the Steelers aren't interested. You know, whether or not they actually need a quarterback, they, they have never actually been in this market that people think they are. Uh, but – What's your readout on they've added playmakers on offense. They've tried to add deaf players on defense. And I guess we'll start with Jake because uh, Jake was one of the he was one of the people telling me from the jump. He's like, look, man, you're going to regret picking Devin Bush and not trying to get your quarterback of the future. Well, I, I still think that quarterback is a question. That's why I asked the question going into the break in the first part of the show is, is Ben Roethlisberger, regardless of health, is he still going to be a good quarterback? And I guess you have some firsthand reports from some players that are saying he's throwing the ball pretty well. So, Good for him. I think it's very important that that the Pittsburgh Steelers sign Paxton Lynch and JT Barrett as street free agents. I think that you know when you look at the quarterback depth. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna really pursue that line of of argumentation. But it does come down to the defense, right? How far can the defense take them? Is Ben Roethlisberger gonna surprise everybody with kind of a renaissance bounce back year? Because I mean, even the last time he played, he wasn't 
great, right? And how far can that team go? Like maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers are a wild card team this year. And I think last time we talked, I said I saw them as somewhere between the second and third team in the division before the draft. The draft didn't really move the needle for me. The offseason acquisitions didn't really move the needle for me. So it's the same questions that I have is, is how far can this offense go in a league that's really driven by offense right now? No, it's, it's a good question. I, I think that that, you know, offense has, has been driving the conversation for a long time. I just I think that we're in a situation where the Steelers for the past decade tried the whole let the offense lead the team approach. They loaded up. I mean, they had the best receiver in football. There was a time you could argue that Le'Veon Bell was the best running back in football. They had a top offense of top five offensive line in football. They had a fr- they had a franchise quarterback and you never saw their offense ranked number one. And it was never good enough to carry the team to a Super Bowl when they got to that to that land of prominence of when the offense was ranking high. I think that they're they're like, listen, we're going to go back to where our philosophy was the last time we were winning Super Bowls. And the, and the only times that this team has really made made that push. And that's with the defense um, being playing at a high level and the offense still being good enough to put points up in the big moments. I mean, like, uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger of old when he when he was in the 2005 and 2008 Super Bowl runs. He wasn't elite. He was he was getting just enough done. I think he's a lot better now, as far as head wise and knowing where to put the ball than he was when he was back then. And that's all they need. They don't need the guy that's going to put up fifty touchdowns. If he puts up 28, 30, 32, that's the round around the range and keep that turnover ratio down because that's the issue, Jake. With your point um, about tw- about twenty eighteen, his it, he led the league in interceptions while also leading the league in in in, in, uh, in yards, and that can't happen. I, I wanted to get a feel from uh, from 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 James. My first time chatting with you on a, on a podcast, man. Um, you look at the playmakers on the offense. And there's a there's uncertainty with James Conner because of injury, uncertainty because with Juju because people are still asking the question: Is he a number one wide receiver? Can he do that without Antonio Brown? In your time watching the AFC North ball, who are the guys that jump out at you? You mentioned Deontay Johnson earlier, but are there other guys that that you look at and like maybe the addition of Eric Ebron that you're like, mm, that could provide some other sort of spark here? Yeah, they're going to need someone to emerge. That that's that's sort of the thing here is. Ben Roethlisberger is a question mark, and we're talking about his age and injury history and all of that. At the same time, I don't think Juju Smith-Schuster is a star-wide receiver. I know James Conner isn't a star running back. So where, when it does come time for the San Antonio Holmes moment in the big in the big game, who makes that play? Maybe it is Deontay Johnson. Maybe he does mature and become that guy. And I, I did like uh, some of the stats you mentioned, the next-gen stats. I like some of that stuff on him. And that's why I asked you about him, but someone's going to need to emerge because I don't think Ben at this stage, and we probably can all agree here, he's not going to carry them. You just mentioned the defense. And even if the defense is really good, you got to go through Baltimore. You got to go through Kansas city and the AFC when you need points, how are you going to get it? And that could be Deontay Johnson. That that could be someone else emerging, maybe James Washington. I think Juju Smith Schuster is kind of a a possession receiver. So we'll see. I, I do though, I look at their weapons, and unless someone emerges, I think that is a a big hole, and, and I'm not sure really how they make up for it unless someone bursts onto the scene and becomes that star they're looking for. So I'm going to ask one more question. This we're going to start with Jeff, work our way, Kevin, work work our way back to you guys. 
But one of the interesting topics that I think is very that I, that I think people aren't talking about enough this year is the fact that the Steelers defense, which may be the best in the NFL, it's obviously coming off of you know being one of the best in the NFL last year. They're going to get to go up against three Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks from all of your teams. How do you guys feel? I, I'm going to start with Jeff because Baker, he's seen the team. He, you know, he, he beat him last year. Um, how do you feel uh, you know, about your specific team and how they're gearing up to face this defense moving forward? Um, Jeff, we'll start with you. I think, look, I mean, it's, you know, Baker has now had uh, now what three starts against this um, franchise in this defense. The only newness, obviously, to it is Minkah Fitzpatrick, and he is an essential player in today's NFL. I mean, he's the ultimate queen on the chessboard in the secondary. He can do whatever you ask of him. I don't think that's something they're currently fearing. I think they know it well. Look, Joe Hayden, as much as he's had a resurgence in Pittsburgh, it's part of the, well, how much now? You know, like when is now the dust maybe off the road, so to speak? And with a player like Odell Beckham, who should be healthy, with a system and skill, talent, and an offensive line to make it all work, I think for, you know, the way the Browns are looking at things is, you know, is are you going to be able to score more than us? Um, and we'll get to, you know, uh, what Bill Barnwell and the way he spoke to the Browns today here and, and their skill. Uh, but I, I think they're OK with it. I, I think it's going to be more, sti- you know, what can Pittsburgh do? And this is one where I'm going to throw you a lob here, Chris, and just, you know, make a comment on it before you kick it over to Kevin. And guys, I hope everybody is doing really well through everything we're going through. Uh, somebody should have probably gotten to that. But I, I, James Conner, I, I don't know where he fits into this, but I was uh, you know, a Benny Snell guy. I was an Anthony McFarland guy. And you look at the way backfields are being constructed here into the future. I think that's a nice foundation to build off of, Chris, between the two of them. And look, you know, and you said, I'm just going to throw them this zing. You talked about the quarterback position. Jameis Winston took less money to go to New Orleans than he did to actually go to Pittsburgh. So don't say they weren't in on somebody. Well, actually, yeah, we we confirmed that like the guy who actually that guy I forget which company he's Bleacher Report or something, but the guy who said that he had that that Winston had touch with people in Pittsburgh, like we we like everybody who has a source in that in that front office has said that's completely and untrue, and uh, that like guys like not uh, too highly revered as far as like source wise in Pittsburgh. So, I mean, the, it wasn't, they, uh, from what we understand from everything we've heard, the Steelers never even picked up the phone to talk to, a, to J- Jameis Winston or his rep- representatives. Um, so I, I hear what you're saying there. Um, but uh, they, they were, they weren't interested in him. Um, if any, if, if there was anybody that they were interested in, it would have, it would have been in someone that wouldn't have cost as much as J- Jameis Winston even did to, to go to the saints. Um, it would have been someone cheap. And I don't think they would have been anyone that they would have thought like, Hey, you're going to be seen as a threat to Mason Rudolph on honestly. And that's not even me thinking that they should go that I thought that they should have tried to make a, get a, get Cam Newton uh, eventually. But, um, but you know, that's just, that's not the way that this organization has been leaning this whole time. But Kevin Lamar Jackson, uh, he, he pulled out a huge win last year against this, against this defense. Now, granted it was in a game where Mason Rudolph was playing and then he got knocked out and then Devin Hodges came in, but still he put up, I think three touchdowns in that game. He had a couple turnovers, how do you feel about his progress and what he's going to be looking at next year, seeing this defense for a second time? Because that he's only ever started once against the against them. 
Yeah, well, actually, the Pittsburgh game in Week 5, I label that as Lamar Jackson's worst game. He actually only had one touchdown in that game, three interceptions. It really should have been two. That Devin Bush interception hit the ground. You know, we can argue about that later. But, yeah, for Pittsburgh, I mean, first, I would like to see them beat the Ravens' backups. But with all that aside, I know Ben Roethlisberger wasn't there. But when you take a look at what Lamar Jackson's going to have to go up against with this defense— the reason he struggled so much was because, I mean, this defense is nothing to scoff at. You have guys like Stephon Tuitt and Minka Fitzpatrick was there and just starting to get into the Steeler way. But Devin Bush, Joe Hayden, Bud Dupree, TJ Watt, this defense is stout. Lamar Jackson now has new weapons. And, you know, the Ravens receiving core is definitely a weakness of this team. It's, it's very young. Marquise Brown, I expect to have a very, very big year, too. Same thing with Miles Boykin. He's, he's a little bit more of a wild card. But Lamar Jackson is going to have to do some things that, that are going to be a little different from what he did in 2019 against the Steelers because now the target's on the Ravens' back. You know, now teams are preparing for Lamar Jackson a lot more than they were at the beginning of the 2019 season as you head into the beginning of 2020. You know, how much is Mark Andrews going to factor in? Does the loss of Hayden Hurst affect this offense? The loss of Marshall Yonda certainly will. So what does the offensive line look like? The offensive line, in my opinion, is the biggest X factor in this game when it comes to the Baltimore offense. Because you can't have a successful game against the Steelers defense if your offensive line isn't clicking. There are just too many threats along the entire Steelers defensive front. So the Ravens interior might look completely different with three new starters. You know, one at left guard, one at center, one at right guard. That's going to be tough. So I think the Ravens are going to have to game plan to take T.J. Watt just out of the game. But then what do you do with Bud Dupree if he plays? You know, what do you do with Vince Williams when he comes in there? There are a lot of different things that you can take a look at with the Steelers' defense. There's a lot of depth there. And Minka Fitzpatrick, obviously, one of the best, I guess, comeback stories within the entire NFL being traded from Miami to Pittsburgh. He's a star. So when you look at it, the Ravens are going to have to prepare quite a bit. But I'm still confident in Lamar Jackson and his ability to go out and, and put some points up on the board. I hear that. Real quick, as we're running out of time, wanted to get to Jake and James. You guys got Joe Burrow, A.J. Green still around, Pittsburgh's own Tyler Boyd still there, Joe Mixon, you got weapons. What you yeah. guys think about facing this defense? The, the most exciting thing for me is that I think that all the players that hate each other might be finally off of these two teams. Maybe not all of them, but most of them. And uh, so maybe we'll actually have a game that doesn't come to blows and just people being dirty and stupid because that, to me, really makes the rivalry unfun. But the other thing I'm excited for, and James, we agree about this, is that Joe Burrow showed that he doesn't he, he shines under the lights. Andy Dalton, by contrast, kind of wilted. So we're <laughs> excited to see Joe Burrow kind of take the opposite approach in some of the primetime games because it seems like the Bengals hold it and in, James, hold it in. play in primetime quite a bit. I hear that, guys. Uh, I, I think you made some very interesting points here. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna end this sec- this this show with a hot take. By the end of the year. Ben Roethlisberger will still be the only AFC North quarterback with playoff wins in his career. Boom! Has Lamar Jackson really not won a playoff game? I guess not. No, he hasn't. Yeah, no, no, I don't, I don't no, want to he... talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> no, he has not. And where is Joe Good? And where is Joe when we need him? <laughs> Literally <laughs> the only thing I hear. Yeah. <laughs> He's only doing the playoffs. <laughs> we, we got a Joe Goodberry soundboard somewhere. Uh, but that'll wrap up the, uh, the Pittsburgh edition. Tomorrow we've got Cleveland. And then Thursday, we've got your Cincinnati Bengals on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.